WAER Sports proudly presents the Ostrom Avenue Podcast. And Syracuse has knocked off NC State 24-9. The students rush the field. The Orange are bowl eligible in 6-0 for just the third time in the last 87 years. Syracuse stops out the Spiders. It took overtime to do so, but the Orange claim the first semifinal of the Empire Classic 74 to 71. Breaking down the orange every week. Syracuse's defense dropped by 20 spots on Ken Palm last night. So that was really embarrassing. I think Malik Brown should be getting more minutes. He shows the energy. I think he brought energy when he came to the floor. And talking with the industry's experts. We're joined by a very special guest and a friend of the podcast, Brent Axe. We now have the pleasure of being joined by David Thompson from the USA Today Network. We're joined by a very special guest. It's former SU men's lacrosse star and current ESPN analyst, Paul Carcaterra. It's the Ostrom Avenue podcast from WAER. Welcome back into the Ostrom Avenue podcast, everyone, alongside the beloved Hudson Ridley. I'm Jordan Leonard. No more Ethan Frank for another week. He is, you know, on vacation into a very, very warm place. We won't give out the details. We don't want people, any fans following him to where he's going. But he's he's going to be a a much warmer place than we are right now in Syracuse, Hudson. I'm pretty jealous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know what's funny, Jordan, you talk about this, and Ethan has talked to me before about, oh, I'm going to be out, I don't, I, I'm going somewhere, I'm going, you want to know what's funny? I don't know where he's going, like, I, you, this is not You some, truly like, don't, joke. you truly don't. I truly don't. <laughs> don't know where he's going, like, I have no idea. That's and insane, I, well, clearly I it's top asked, secret, apparently. I haven't asked, I've just been told that he's going somewhere, it's like, you know, when your your parents, when you're younger, they go on a business trip and they don't tell you where you're going, they're, where they're <laughs> going. They're just like, oh, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. That's what this is. Like, oh, I'll be gone for a couple of days. I go, okay. Oh, my gosh. I, wait, I, I thought you knew where he was going. I guess I was wrong. No uh, clue. But, I have no you know, idea. You know, that's a great fact to learn on, on Valentine's <laughs> Day night at 9.45 p.m. Yes, that is when we were recording this uh, on Valentine's Day night. Me and Hudson, or Hudson and I, should I say, love spending time with each other and of yeah, course this is very sweet that we're doing this here. of course we're lucky to spend time with each other partly because our members and empire and hearing and audiology of course thank you for sponsoring sponsoring excuse me the ostrom avenue podcast and it was an early valentine's day present for syracuse yesterday syracuse 86 number seven north carolina 79 syracuse getting the first ap top 10 win since 2019 that's almost five plus years and Hudson, I mean, Syracuse, both sides of the ball, the defense played pretty well throughout the game, but the offense was on fire, shooting over 60% from the field, 47% from three, both Judah and JJ, 25 points for Judah, 23 for JJ. It was the offense that people thought could be there all season long, and it finally showed up um, yesterday. Yeah, it, it may even give some false hope because you think, oh, of all the games that they show up, it's against one of the best defenses in the country. And you're right. They shot six over 60% from the floor and then 47% from three. That doesn't happen with this team where they shoot 47% from three. Something had to fully click, and it did. And I, I Jordan, in my opinion, I think it was just the moment. I think they stepped up to the moment and they realized – a couple of bad losses in a row. You lose Benny Williams, and now you're in a spot where the team's kind of in limbo. Your March Madness hopes are a little bit dashed. 
So you get to play spoiler a little bit. And that's what they did. They played spoiler. And, you know, I, I think I think what we saw from the team that on that Tuesday night game isn't something that we can really take moving forward and say, this is what this team is going to be. But it is something we can see and be like, well, this is what this team can be if they're firing on all cylinders. I agree. I think the home field, the home court advantage was also a big factor. Syracuse now 12 and two at home, just two and five away from home. So Syracuse really plays just enormously better at home in the dome than on the road. And you look at the way they scored Judah Mintz and JJ Starling both led the way. Like I said, only 17 total three point attempts for the entire team. They really got to the rim today, which has been their strong suit all season. If they're going to score the basketball, it's going to be getting to the rim, getting layups, getting little float shots inside the paint. And Syracuse really did that today. And it was partly because Judah Mintz and JJ Starling were aggressive. They had a height advantage against RJ Davis and Cormac Ryan, and they, they used it to their advantage to get to the rim. And you really saw kind of the culmination of, you know, Chris Bell hit three threes. Malik Brown was perfect from the floor. Also hit th- two three pointers. Thank God Ethan Frank is not on this podcast because that's all oh he would want to talk we about. Never hear the is, end of it. Is Even Malik when, Brown stroke? When when he hits when he hits a three pointer in any single game ever, <laughs> we always just expect a text from Ethan. Jordan and I watched the game yesterday, and as soon as he hit the three pointer, we looked at each other and we said, "Well, Ethan's Here sending a text, text right now." And yep. sure enough, ten seconds later. Good look at stroke from number one. We all knew. We yeah. all knew what it was. <laughs> and if you look at this game, Adrian Autry has said it pretty much all season. When Syracuse's offense is playing well, the defense follows suit. And that's why they've won games that they have won. They just haven't done it against the caliber of team like a Carolina. And, you know, partly, I think, you know, they also won because they got whooped by 36 on the road. And that's going to kind of give you an edge and maybe give North Carolina, okay, we're going to come in here and just beat Syracuse easily. So I think all those factors go, went into an impressive win at home for, for Syracuse yesterday. Yeah, they had nothing to lose. Syracuse had nothing to lose in this spot because if you lose at home, it's expected. Many people wrote them off completely before the game, not giving them a chance. I'm not going to say I was one of those people that wrote them off. Well, Ostrom Picks you... said otherwise. Oh, well, okay. No, I, that doesn't mean I'm writing them <laughs> off just because I took North Carolina to win by over eight and a half. Didn't mean I completely, that didn't mean I completely wrote them off, but I, it's why you play the games. And so <laughs> them being that hungry dog as hungry dogs do run faster. It, it made a difference. It really did. And it's also partially the dome effect. North Carolina didn't shoot that well. They come on the road up to Syracuse. North Carolina has an advantage in the Dean Dome. So we're not going to say the dome effect, I guess. We could say the JMA Wireless Dome. The JMA Wireless Dome effect where, you know, the spacing's a little bit different. And I think it really did affect the shooting of North Carolina. And, and Syracuse really took advantage. The thing that also we didn't really highlight is everybody knows how Judah gets to the rim. Judah doesn't always hit his free throws. <laughs> when he gets to the rim and it can be frustrating. Even late in game, he had uh, the, those two technicals and he back rimmed one pretty hard. But other than that, I mean, he was good from the line. He was nine for 11 yesterday, which is something he doesn't consistently do. So when he's firing like that, especially nine for 11 from, from the free throw line, eight for 11, just from the floor in general, he only shot one three and he didn't make it. So he, he got to those 25 points by getting to the rim playing physical, and like you said, taking advantage of that height mismatch that he had against R.J. Davis and Cormac Ryan. Well, you mentioned the the efficient shooting from the field. I think that was impressive from Judah Mintz because he doesn't always shoot just efficiently from the field in general. He hasn't been, other than layups 
in the mid range, he hasn't been, you know, that consistent throughout the year. Last night, yeah, he was getting his layups, but also he was hitting those mid range jumpers around the free throw line. And then he did make the free throws, like you just mentioned, nine of 11. JJ Starling was also impressive. He took that, you know, sweet spot number of six threes and made half of them. Um, but he was also very aggressive. Whenever JJ is driving to the rim and playing aggressive on offense, it takes the Syracuse offense to another level. And, you know, of course, even though the team is 16 and nine, seven and seven in conference play, most likely out of the NCAA tournament and barring a miracle you know, run, let's say it always, when you beat a number seven team in the country brings up the question of, can they actually, you know, win a couple games here because they finally beat a good opponent. You go on the road to Georgia tech this weekend. And I'm, I'm not that high because as I mentioned earlier, Syracuse away from home, just two and five, I just don't think that it translates outside of this game. As as you mentioned, Syracuse had nothing to lose. It was in the Dome. North Carolina, you know, they beat them by 36 already this year, which gave Syracuse an edge. You know, I, I don't think this really translates at all to the next games coming up. No, I, I definitely don't. I think it's also a, a difference in matchup between going up against North Carolina at home, a team you lost to already by 30, and going up against a Georgia Tech team that you haven't seen, who's a physical team. And that Georgia Tech play, team plays really hard. That Georgia Tech team plays very hard. Head coach Damon Stoudemire is one of the biggest hype men, you could say, in the league. And he gets his team ready for each game. That's something that, you know, Hubert Davis is good at that. But North Carolina is in a spot where they can get complacent. And like we mentioned, Syracuse was just a hungrier dog on that day. North Carolina, or not North Carolina, Georgia Tech, rather, is really good at holding that home court advantage. They beat North Carolina at home when North Carolina was ranked number three, and all of a sudden that started kind of a, not started, but really added to a spiral from North Carolina. I see this Georgia Tech team in a completely different light, and they were playing well at the beginning of the season. They've had their hiccups in ACC play, but I, I trust this team moving forward, and I think they're going to beat Syracuse not badly, but I'd say it's going to be at least by double digits. Wow. I don't know yeah. if I'm going to go on the limb that, that they're going to beat Syracuse. I don't see the success that Syracuse had today, uh, uh, yesterday, excuse me, against North Carolina carrying over. They might be able to eke out a win. Um, but Georgia Tech has beaten Clemson, Duke, and UNC, even though they, they don't have don't have many wins in the ACC. They've beaten the big dogs. They can play, um, especially at home. Like you mentioned, they beat UNC at home. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. That's a 5.30 p.m. tip, 5 p.m. McClurg remodeling countdown to tip off from down in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, it's time to transition to the better team and the more fun team to watch on campus, at least on the basketball court. The women's basketball team is heading down to Miami tomorrow, which is most likely today once we post the podcast. And, you know, they're rolling hot. They got a win against Louisville on Sunday as you know, as disagreeable as maybe that last foul call was, they ended up winning the game 73-72, their fourth top 15 win of the season. They're now six you know, pretty firmly a five seed in the projected bracket in um, the NCAA tournament. Miami, solid team, borderline top half of the ACC. Even Virginia is a little bit on the bottom half. Duke's been on the rise. They already beat Pittsburgh. And then you have that game against a top five NC State team to end the season. It is a critical stretch for Syracuse women's basketball that has been showing it all season long that they are something to watch and something to be contended for. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're right. It's a critical stretch. At this point, though, with, with this Miami team, I, I feel very confident in what Miami is showing me. I don't want to be 
the the bearer of bad news on both of these games for both the men's and women's team. But to be completely yeah. honest with you, Miami has some big wins of their own. A big win over NC State. They beat Duke pretty, not handily, but but decently beat Duke. And they have a win over Clemson in overtime. That's another good ACC team. I, though, still, at the same time, Syracuse women's basketball plays better on the road than the men's team. Consistently plays better on the road. Because they're, well, a better team. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of obvious. They're in the top 25 for a reason. The men's team couldn't even dream of the top 25 at this point. Now, the thing that worries me is Miami is pretty solid at forcing turnovers and they're kind of like almost a, a, a lesser Louisville in a way which isn't always a great matchup for Syracuse especially in that first meeting but they they showed that they can go through that turnover pressure when they beat Louisville just a couple days ago so I think this matchup is still pretty favorable for Syracuse and I have the orange coming out on top but you know it, it could be close it could be close it is interesting because I was going into the day really kind of thinking Syracuse, you know, Miami's solid, but Syracuse should get the win. And you look at Miami, 16 and seven overall, six and six in conference, 13 and one at home. And I was talking with the voice of uh, Syracuse women's basketball, um, Tim Leonard, earlier this morning. He was telling me a little bit more about the actual team. And he was saying that, you know, it's going to be a hard game. Miami has a lot better talent and is a lot better of a team than people might think. Um, they do have that win, like you mentioned, against NC State by 14 earlier this year, which is a great win. Um, their losses in conference are, other than Boston College, two of the best teams in the conference. You look at, they lost to Notre Dame, they lost to Virginia Tech, they lost to North Carolina, and they lost to Florida State, who was a top 15 team, now has kind of progressed a little bit. But those are all the top half of the ACC teams, so they're taking care of business of the teams below them. Now, can they, you know, get a crucial win that would be for them um, at home against Syracuse, which is a top 20 team? So that's the other thing. Now, when you look at the schedule, Syracuse says, you know, from Syracuse perspective, at least been the underdog, let's say, for the most of the season. They didn't think they were going to be 20 or the team may have. But Syracuse fans may not have thought team was going to be 20 and four and top 20 ranked at this point in the season. So now that you are against these teams that are middle of the pack trying to get resume-building wins, you're going to get everything you can from that team when Syracuse is kind of, you know, just rolling along, like maybe looking at this team like, okay, we should beat this this team on the road. Yeah, the target becomes on Syracuse's back, which is it not goes, it's like there It's like Syracuse wins basketball, not UNC men's basketball per se, because they're top seven, but the same kind of comparison. It's the same dynamic, say. exactly. It's the same, it's the same underdog mentality dynamic that we saw with the men's game where I do think it's a little different though, is that UNC has gone through tough stretches, but for them, they were holding themselves high. This Syracuse team went through tough stretches and they bounced back in a pretty big way. Felicia kind of galvanized her team to the point where now I think they're built to make it through these tough tests of the target being on their back at this point, because they still play hard. That's the thing. They, they go into every opponent and they play hard. And sometimes in a game like Boston College where, you know, it's a little bit more difficult and you need DHA Fair to score 38 points against a team that's not doing too well in the ACC, sure, that's not the best-looking win. But the team played really hard, and that's what they continue to do. So I, I'm not too concerned about that, you know, upset underdog mentality that Miami might have. What I am concerned about, though, Jordan, you mentioned 
Miami's home record, 13-1 and at home. They've only played eight road games. They're 3-5 and on the road, but 13-1 and at home is a stat that you really can't ignore. So that's what worries me more than anything is that home court advantage of Miami. But I don't have any doubt that Syracuse is going to show up to play. I've been to the Watsco Center. It's a great arena down there in Coral Gables. It's kind of like a smaller, that. it's a smaller arena. It's like seven to 8,000. That's it, it. But it still feels bigger than seven to 8,000 the way that it's laid out. And, you know, going back to Syracuse, you know, the underdog Ooh. mentality, you know, Felicia Leggett Jack gets her team ready to play. When we, when Syracuse ends this season, let's say the regular season, because they had that two-game losing streak for Virginia Tech and Louisville, I think that helps them so much to just go through a little bit of a losing streak to really galvanize themselves and learn from that. Because at that point, they really they hadn't lost objectively back-to-back games yet this that season. Um, so when you go through that, it kind of makes you reset and go back to the drawing board. Because when you're winning games, like you can take stuff from games that you win, but you don't take it the same way than games that you lose, especially when you've lost back-to-back games. So given that mm-hmm. two-game losing streak from Virginia Tech and Louisville, I think Syracuse learned a lot from that, and now it's helping them as they move forward going into a game like you just mentioned in Miami, who's very good at home. It makes them more extra focused because they've gotten through that quote-unquote adversity in that two-game stretch earlier in the year. Yeah, they lost at the right time. That's the thing. You never want to go into postseason play or tournament play of any kind with no losses because then you don't know what the real adversity is like. You can play close games, but if you keep winning, I saw a good quote from Nick Saban recently that he was talking about when he was coaching his uh, his LSU football team and how they, they had a close win, but they were still undefeated. And so, you know, nobody really cared and they just kind of lollygagged into the next week and they got crushed. And so having that mentality of, you know, we can just keep going no matter if we win these close games, whatever, we won them, there's nothing to change. Syracuse can't have that anymore because they did have those back-to-back losses against also good teams. The fact that they have quality losses and the fact that they have losses at this point in the season is big because now you generate momentum. You learn from the reasons that you lost. And they learned from that Louisville game and then beat Louisville at home just a, a week and a half or two weeks later. So, I, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff you like to see with this team going forward. And for mentality reasons, like we mentioned, Jordan, there's no reason why this team wouldn't play hard down the stretch, especially because they are really in the midst of playing for something right now. And it's not guaranteed. This is a tough ACC. There are a lot of teams at the top, and there are a lot of really good players going up against DeAsia Fair for ACC Player of the Year. So I think this team is going to play hard down the stretch. That Miami home record's a little worrying, but <laughs> overall, like I, I, I can't be worried about it because this team has shown their ability to bounce back and then steamroll through teams. On the bright side, Syracuse also the uh, Syracuse is thirteen and one at home as well. So the J May Dome has been good, good cooking for them as well. They're in second place right now in the ACC by a half a game over NC State and Louisville. And side note to that Louisville win too, it takes away the tiebreaker from the Cardinals because you had lost to them earlier in the season. So that's a huge victory. You beat Notre Dame already twice. They're behind Louisville. You still have to play NC State for the one time, and then you you've lost to Virginia Tech. But you know you're not going to beat everybody at the time top of the conference or that's ranked ahead of you honestly right now it's kind of still shocking that Notre Dame is ranked ahead of Syracuse at 16 even though they've beaten them twice and they beat them on the road by double well, digits. the women's it's basketball boggling play, my mind the women's basketball polls because I've been following these for a while I love making women's basketball brackets this has been like <laughs> a thing of mine for 
ever since a, there was a really good Mississippi State year, and I think like 2017, yes, and Arike Akumba Wale, I think that was the same year as the Arike Akumba Wale buzzer Shot. beater. And ever yes, since then, I got so into making these brackets. <laughs> and what I realized through that is that the ranking system is just mind-bogglingly stupid. I wouldn't put anything into where any team is in the top 25 it's it's an interesting dynamic because in women's basketball there doesn't feel like there's as much parity as the men's especially now with teams in the men's like san diego state and florida atlantic getting to the final four into the championship you're not really going to see that in women's basketball but at the same time within that group of top 25 it can still be anybody's game because the rankings are just so mixed up north carolina or not north carolina rather notre dame with a worse record two losses to syracuse Worst record in conference play and still <laughs> still ranked a couple spots higher. It's just it's never going to make sense to me. It, it won't. It, it won't make sense to me. But I, I've come to accept that I, I don't understand how they do these ranking systems. It's like I don't really understand the net very well. If you uh, want the net, the piece. net is I don't just crazy. Plug, I don't want to plug our, our dear friend Ethan Frank's piece on our WAER SoundCloud at WAER Sports on SoundCloud. He made a good piece updating updating the net rankings. That doesn't make sense to me. And I'll tell you, I don't know what they're using for women's basketball to decide, but that definitely does not make sense to me, Jordan. I, I have no clue either. Well, women's the women's basketball team takes on Miami tomorrow on WAER, actually. So 6 p.m. tip. 5p 5:30 McClurg remodeling countdown to tip off and the double overtime going all the way until 10 p.m. tomorrow night on WAER and you know speaking of the rankings number 4 Maryland takes on number 5 Syracuse men's lacrosse this weekend the orange 3 and 0 through the first you know not was at 8 you know 6 days they had 3 games um they went from number 9 in the inside lacrosse poll to number 5 Today, they had three players named to the Torton watch list. Will Mark, Joey Spillina, of course, and Jake Stevens were named um, among 50 lacrosse players um, to the Torton watch list. And really, the first big test for Syracuse is this weekend in Maryland. They're the number four team in the country. They played Richmond, who was a ranked team early this year in the opener, and they won by one. They beat Loyola 11 to four, who's receiving votes. And really, Syracuse hasn't faced anyone noteworthy other than, I guess, Colgate. And then they got the win against the top five Penn State team. But this is really where you figure out how good is Syracuse. They've played Maryland the last two years. They lost 15 to 12 last year. And really, because they lost almost every faceoff, I think the Terps won about 75% of the faceoffs last year, and Syracuse only lost by two. So this has always been the measuring stick game the last couple of years for Syracuse, and it is again this year. And I'll be interested to see kind of how it shakes out, Hudson. Yeah, no, I I will too. It's 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 interesting because with this Maryland team at the beginning of the year, Richmond is a solid team, but it, it it's not a they team were ranked. They were they're ranked. Oh, believe me, they're ranked. But you know, there's there's <laughs> the spiders. There's, the spiders. Echelons, there's echelons within the rankings. So yeah, of they, course they're ranked, but it's not like you know they're. <laughs> They're a world beater because there are only so many teams in the national landscape of NCAA Division One men's lacrosse. and there and really men's are. lacrosse is such a, a hierarchy in terms of like yeah the, it is the, the best players just stack up on on a couple of the teams yeah there's no there's no parity in in men's lacrosse really to a certain extent but at the beginning of the year you know they eke out a win over Richmond and the conversation then became 
well, I who knows about this Maryland team? Because all of a sudden, you know, Richmond's a solid team, but Maryland is supposed to dominate this team. And especially with the defense they have, they're not supposed to allow 12 goals. Then they go into a game against a Loyola team that is kind of part of that upper echelon. You know, they they teeter on the border, but they, they are in that upper echelon grouping. And they crush them, 11 of four. So it, it, the kind of back and forth between we don't know what this team is at the beginning of the season. They could be overrated to, okay, no, they're not overrated. Their defense is incredible. They only allowed four goals to Loyola and then Logan McNaney. I mean, coming back off. He's of, a beast. What was it? A torn ACL was the it was a torn ACL. Season? It was right before a the Syracuse ACL. game last year. So Syracuse didn't see him last year. No, it was Maryland the game was before Syracuse. Game. Yeah. Yeah. It was the game before still Syracuse. won that game without him. And now all of a sudden he's back. He's looked incredible. So this is going to be a real test in terms of, I think home field advantage could play a big factor here. I know home field advantage in lacrosse isn't necessarily like a, a big thing, especially with, you know, the crowds or lack thereof crowds to a certain extent with some teams. But, you know, I, I think Maryland having to go into a completely different environment in Syracuse is really going to be, you know, one of the biggest separators between the two teams. I'm just really interested to see, Syracuse's attack, one of the best in the country. Maryland's defense, one of the best in the country. When Syracuse has the ball on attack, that is must-watch TV. That is must or must-listen to radio on WAER. That's a great that's a great point, Hudson. I actually think the crowd actually will be very well, very good. They had 3,900 at the home opener against Vermont. I can I could see 5,000 there, honestly, to, I, for I the could, Maryland I game. Could. I could totally see 5,000. Yeah, I agree, this though. Early I mean, in the year, yeah. I mean, you look at the best matchup here. It's Logan McNaney. Honestly, you know, Liam Entman's great. Will Mark's great. Logan McNaney has a, an argument to be one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie in the country. He missed all of last season essentially after tearing his ACL before the game against Syracuse. But if you go back to the Maryland's eighteen and zero undefeated national championship season, he was the goalie and the most. Uh, he was the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament and NCAA championship game. So this guy is legit. And then you look at the defense. I was putting, to, I'm, I'm calling the game. So I was putting together my boards and every single defender is like six foot plus 200 pounds plus like Ooh. these, these guys are legit big human beings and they can defend. I mean, Ajax, Zapatello is one of the best defenders in the country. He's wearing the coveted number one for Maryland. So um, this year, I'll be interested to see how the size matches up. Cause you look at the attack line, it's Joey Spillina, Owen Hiltz and Christian Mule. I mean, they're, they're all great players, but they're all smaller on the smaller side. You don't really look at, you know, Cole Kirsch was that big attacker that Syracuse had last year. You don't really have that this year. I mean, Jackson Burtwistle's not that big. Jake Stevens, Sam English are, you know, decently sized. Michael Leo's decently sized. He uses more of his speed than bully dodging. So, I mean, you look at that, and Maryland Tucker has Kellogg some big dudes on defense. Small. Yeah, but he doesn't he's play that tall. much. He's he not plays tall, on man up. But he's not. Well, yeah, he plays on man up, but I'm talking about just in terms of guys you can throw out there on the offense. That's at fair. Times. He's not small. I, 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 what you're it's saying, It's just going to be an interesting correct. matchup. Yeah, I mean, I... You just gotta you gotta put up a prayer for Owen Hills at this point. Five eight, one eighty six. He's listed, which you know actually that's probably pretty fair. But like, it, I I I just gotta hope for him because going up <laughs> against guys that are six two, six three, just breaking your back on defense. I mean, he already is 
you know, he's not the quickest guy. He can't necessarily dodge and avoid guys. He's just got a quick stick and he's at the right place at the right time. A cross check to him could just blow him up. It could blow him up <laughs> in this game. So, you know, I, I, I hope, I hope he makes it through this one. Okay. I hope he, uh, I hope he's completely fine by the end of the game. The, the SU offense versus the Maryland defense, certainly a battle to watch. Also, the face-off X, Luke Weirman, one of the best face-off guys in the country. He owns the Maryland record for face-off wins. And Mason Cohn, who is the number four face-off man in the country right now, according to percentage. Now, granted, two of those guys, if you look at the amount of face-offs they've taken, that's you know a little bit underwhelming comparative to Mason Cohn. He's 70-plus percent at the face-off X. That's going to be crucial this year. And really, Hudson, it's our first chance to see Mason Cohn actually go against a top-notch face-off guy on the other side. Yeah, it's the first chance. It may be the first time he's ever gone against the top yeah. faceoff guy ever because he came from Tufts, a D3 school last year. Now, D3's got some talent, but, you know, the the reason he was the talent, he was the talent at D3. Exactly. He was the talent. And now the reason he's here is because he was the talent. So it, it'll be interesting to see how he fares against a tougher team because all of a sudden, you know, if, if Mason Cohn struggles, I mean, I'm not going to say that we're we have to. It brings up some entirely, questions. Brings up but, some questions. You know, playing against a, a Vermont team first, where you know they lost their Fogo from last year, Tommy Burke, who was one of the best in the country, and he dominated. He dominated Johnny Richus and Jack Fine. So we knew that it, it was going to even out a little bit more, or be in Syracuse's favor, even, and it was. And then against a Colgate team, where their head coach said. You know, it doesn't really matter if we win faceoffs or not. And then <laughs> you go into a game against the Manhattan team where, I mean, my goodness, I've never seen more lopsided stats. You got Mariano Rivera's kid out there taking faceoffs, and he did better than the <laughs> starter. But, you know, he still struggled. So we haven't seen Mason Cohn go up against anyone good maybe ever. But this will be <laughs> the first time. So, you know, hopefully all the practice he's had beating up tomato cans uh, will help in this spot. It'll be an interesting battle to see in the Dome. Faceoff is at 6 on HD2. You can get the HD2 channel on waer.org. You have that orange play button on the left side. If you go over to where it says main channel, you can click it and then click on HD2. McClure remodeling countdown to Faceoff at 530. No double overtime, though. You can catch all the double overtime action after the men's basketball game ends on the main channel. And, of course, we have one more sport to kind of get to in the women's lacrosse team who's been the better lacrosse team overall. If you look at the last couple of years since Gary Gate transitioned from the women's team to the men's team, they lost their first game against Northwestern. They are the number one team in the country and the reigning national champions. I know you're a big Northwestern fan, generally, Hudson. Yes, yes. Um, 18 to 15, Northwestern won, but it, nor, the wild, is it the Wildcats or is it the Cats? The Wildcats, yes. The Wildcats. Wildcats. The Wildcats got off to an 8-2 to two start, and then Syracuse kind of made it a little bit closer at the end of the game, which was expected. I mean, Megan Tyrell and Megan Carney, first games not in a Syracuse uniform. The Orange kind of had to get used to who was actually, you know, get used to not having their presence. And then they come back today against a number 18 Army team and just absolutely destroy them, 18-7. to seven. Kind of really just epitomize why Syracuse is in the top five um, and show that, you know, Northwestern is also very good and that Syracuse is very good. So it was it was an interesting week so far for Syracuse women's lacrosse. You know, you lose that first game, but you come back and get the authoritative win today in the Dome, Hudson. 
I mean, yeah, this this game was also never even close. Eight to two <laughs> after the first quarter, and then Syracuse added on five more in the second quarter. It, the the halftime the halftime score was thirteen to three at the half yep. against the top. That's teams. I feel like that's what Syracuse women's lacrosse does a lot though against these middle oh, yeah. tier teams. Like we said, there are there are there are echelons, there are echelons in lacrosse. Yeah. Just because Army is ranked doesn't mean Syracuse won't just absolutely destroy them. <laughs> because there are only so many teams in women's lacrosse. They're exactly there are echelons. How good is Northwestern then, though? Because oh ah, my god, that's a good question. Even with well, echelons, whoa. you know. So Northwestern this weekend. The only reason I know this is because I'm actually going to, I'm traveling to Nor- Notre Dame next week to call the Syracuse women's lacrosse game versus Notre Dame. And Notre Dame returned a lot of players. They're number eight in the country. They play Northwestern this weekend. So I'll be interested to see how they fare. Because if they blow out Notre Dame, that then, you know, that just shows what echelon they're in. Yeah, exactly. And with Izzy Skeen returning, you couldn't expect Syracuse to win that first game. But the, the fact at that Northwestern they bounced back too, yeah. against at Northwestern, too, right on the lake, beautiful practice facility. I'm not going <laughs> to get into all beautiful of that. Beautiful practice. I've been there. I've been there. The practice facility is beautiful. The field they usually play at when it's not too cold, though, also beautiful outside right on the lake as well. It's very nice. I played soccer on that field before <laughs> growing up. It's a it's a beautiful area. Everything about it's great. I'm not going to. I'm not going to harp on Northwestern too much, but the fact that Syracuse came back in in that game too, they didn't they didn't win the game, but after a rocky start going down eight to two, since then they've played well. They've played very well. They've played more than well. They've played fantastic at this point. So the fact that they got back from that game, built up during the week, and then destroyed Army. I mean, the the only reason this wasn't a 15 goal win was because of the substitutes coming in at the end and then army <laughs> started to make it a little bit closer but army didn't even win a quarter against the substitutes syracuse won the last quarter three to two so the fact that syracuse held strong against army and not held strong destroyed army rather <laughs> it's 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 a good building block going into the season because you know i mean barring some miracle and some team becoming incredible you're never going to play a team as good as Northwestern this entire year unless you make well, it back. Boston College. To the, Boston, Boston College. College is really good. We don't know whether or not Boston College is better or not than Northwestern. If we take the ending of last season, that'll tell you. But, you know, things change and things move yeah. around, even though Northwestern's returned a majority of their production. I would say they won't play a team as good as – or as good as Northwestern. They'll play Boston College, which I think is probably the closest you can get – to playing a team as good as Northwestern, but at this point in the season, that's a good building block going forward because they have a lot of tough tests. I think their first six games are all against top 20 teams at this point in the country. They they lost to Northwestern, they beat Army, then they play number nine, Maryland. They play against Notre Dame, they're ranked. Duke, they're ranked. Stony Brook, they're ranked. Then they play against Virginia Tech. That's a really tough stretch. That's a really tough stretch leading up to Virginia Tech. So it's it's good momentum going in to this opening stretch of the season to beat Army in the way they did. Yeah, you just mentioned it. Boston College, they play at the end of the season, and BC plays Northwestern on the 29th, the game to watch. That should be very oh, fun. Oh, wow. Um, Syracuse, another that te- uh That's a good question. Let's see. That game is home for BC, so it's a Northwestern Ooh. road game. That'll be fun to watch. That will you know, be. Uh, set on, on February 29th, so the leap year day. Um, Could you imagine Charlotte North still playing too? Is he scanned for Charlotte <laughs> North game? That would oh be that would be elite. That'd be elite. That is um, Syracuse taking on number nine Maryland this weekend at noon in the dome, just before Syracuse men's lacrosse takes on Maryland 
in the dome as well. Hudson, we just went through four different sports. What are your what's your biggest takeaway from this week in Syracuse athletics? Uh, this week in Syracuse athletics, um, too many people are going to buy into the men's team. Don't do that. Not enough people are back on board with the women's team. Get back on board. Syracuse <laughs> men's lacrosse is good. Who the heck knows how they'll do against Maryland, though? And Syracuse women's lacrosse is so back. And don't worry about the Northwestern game. If I had to give you one bundled up take from all four sports going on right now, I, I could give you more. You want some on the women's <laughs> ice hockey team? They had a nice win over Rochester Institute of Technology <laughs> the other day. They're 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 looking better than they have in the last two years. And Syracuse athletics, the the ceiling the ceiling is bright for a lot of these teams, except for the men's team, Jordan. Yeah, and football we haven't even talked about because it's you know a little bit too far away right now. I'm I'm all on board right now for the Syracuse women's basketball team. I'm following that team every single game, every single day. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm following FLJ's tweet. She's the best coach in the ACC. If she doesn't win ACC Coach of the Year, I will be supremely pissed if she, FLJ she, does not win. She's one of the best win. coaches in the nation. She's I know, but if she doesn't win ACC, nation. if she doesn't win ACC Coach of the Year, I will be supremely pissed as a media member. Um, if Coach Felicio Gatchak does not win that, and you know Who maybe votes on those, Who it votes it, on it would be the media. I I believe. Can we? How how far off are we from the media? I don't know. Do you, you know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe if maybe if we maybe I you know that's a good question. Maybe that is a very nicely. good question. Let's I should nicely. we should research that and try to file a vote. Yeah, can can we should Ostrom get that. a vote? Can you we know, vote for the Heisman? Of. That would be you know, that. I don't think the Heisman might be a little bit too big. The Heisman might be a little <laughs> bit too big, but maybe if the podcast gets bigger, then we could get a vote for the Heisman. And the only way it's getting bigger is because of our members and our sponsors, including Empire Hearing and Audiology, wouldn't allow us, wouldn't be doing this without Empire Hearing and Audiology and all their support and all of their good graces and you know it's a busy week Hudson from from you know we just broke down everything that's happened so far but there's so much that's coming up Syracuse women's basketball as I mentioned traveling down to Miami tomorrow that game's broadcasted on WAER McClurg remodeling countdown to tip off at 5 30 tip at 6 the double overtime going all the way until 10 if you want to hear more on Syracuse athletics going all around the hill a sports night from 8 to 9 p.m on Friday you can catch that one on WAER as well the men's basketball team tries to, you know, take some of what magic they had against North Carolina on Tuesday to Georgia Tech on Saturday. That's a 5.30 p.m. tip-off, 5 p.m. McClurg remodeling countdown to tip-off. The double overtime going all the way until 9.30 p.m. And then you also have the men's lacrosse game on HD2, the HD2 channel, starting at 6 with McClurg remodeling countdown to face-off at 5.30, a packed week and weekend on WAER here. Hudson, it's been great hanging out. Yeah, you know, this podcast is a little bit more tame without Ethan Frank. Maybe we, we should investigate, you know, elongating this absence here. Yeah, I, I don't know where he is, like I mentioned <laughs> right now. But wherever he is, you know, he, he can stay there. He can stay there for a little bit. This is You're right. This is a lot more chill. This is a lot more laid back. I know who's starting all these arguments now between us, now that we realize... Now that we realize he's gone, the common denominator then becomes him. Will Ethan be back next week? You'll just have to wait and find out. But until then, everyone for the Ocean Avenue Podcast, Hudson and myself, wishes you a, a good rest of your day and a great weekend.